All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this week's episode of Action for Everyone for this here, November 19th, 2023. I am, as always, your host, Mike Scott. I am flying solo uh, this week because Vice Victus had a thing, and Liam, as you all know, is in Indonesia doing pre-production, and uh, he could not join us this week. So I brought in a ringer. I, I brought in a, a co-host slash guest that I thought would uh, make everybody happy. Larnell Stovall, back for part two. Larnell, how are you today, man? I am great. I'm great. Thanks for having me back, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, we uh, when you were on a couple of weeks ago, we knew we needed to do a part two. And uh, and this was you reached out and we're like, let's set it up. And and so here we are. Um, we're going to talk about a couple of things. Uh, but and for those who don't know, Larnell and I have actually just been talking for like a half an hour off record. I'm not going to talk about anything that we talked about off record, <laughs> but it did lead to some of this. And the first thing that I wanted to talk to you about was altered carbon. Because for me, look, Netflix had been doing big budget shows up to that point. They had obviously Mm -hmm. their Orange is the New Black and and those Mm -hmm. other things. But A, I was a big, big Altered Carbon fan coming into the series. Mm -hmm. I had read all the books. Mm -hmm. Um, Takeshi Kovacs, I thought, was just a great character. And so to see Altered Carbon in reality, but then to see it with the action that it has, talk to me about how Altered Carbon came about. Oof, Altered Carbon, man. Um, that was um, very interesting for me because that came from a recommendation. Um, I'll never forget. Um, I believe it was Bam Bam, James Bamford. Uh, who was over the action for Arrow, the Arrow universe, who yep. basically got, uh, who made you respect what the CW world was about concerning their delivery of action on the TV schedule. I um, actually, I really- actually, sorry to interrupt. I actually just had a conversation literally today on Discord, uh, A4E Discord, <laughs> if everybody wants to join, uh, where I was telling somebody about the action in Arrow was mm-hmm. like game changing in terms of how TV action was filmed. Yeah, yeah, it was. I, I think um, we shouldn't forget that either because, you know, um, it definitely set the bar for TV filming schedule, what you could do in a short amount of time, which you can do if you give. Uh, second unit it's just do or let the stunt team really step in plus you know the great thing about the superheroes is you have the mask you have the outfits you can definitely put the doubles in there and know when you need your actor shots so you can get so much in at that time but i think um i got a random call from him one day um and we we stayed in touch and he actually let me step in on a wb promo for him um, I'll never forget this. And, this. and the reason why I'm going to talk about this is I always believe in your character goes a lot further than sometimes your talent. And uh, I think this is one of those opportunities because I believe he had something with Arrow and I stepped in to uh, help out because it was in LA and he had an overnight shoot. And so I had to choreograph something I had to hire stunt doubles to look like the Arrow cast uh, for a WB promo because they were not going to fly the normal doubles who doubled them to L.A. So it was a crazy opportunity. So 
put a little something together, and then he flew in. Now, uh, when he flew in, I stepped back. I said, hey, this is your this is your brand. Uh, this is what you do. So he stepped in, looked at the choreography, and he said, hey, this is great. This is cool. You know, so um, that led to a, a stronger relationship, a stronger sense of trust and different things and whatever. But uh, yeah, he gave me a random call about that um, and basically said, hey, they're looking for an action guy for this big series, this huge series um, in Vancouver. And um, needless to say, it went to some phone calls, led to an interview. I actually had an interview, I believe, three times for this project. And I didn't find out what it really was until the third time. That's what was crazy. So I kept hearing how big it was, what this is. They want to know about my fight style. They want to know about how I approach action design with the producers. Um, and this is so hilarious uh, because your guys and your appreciation for what I would call our niche audience is what landed me the job. And this is what's hilarious. A lot of people, when they go to a lot of interviews and you're a second unit director, you have your car chases, you have your fight scenes, you have your shootouts, you have your, your big, your explosions, your big, big things that says you can handle scale, you can handle A-list factors, you can handle big schedules and different things like that. But these producers were more interested in more of an intimate approach to how do you deal with actors and what are your results. Uh, one of the things that I believe convinced them was a project I did in India, a project called Sultan with Salman Khan. That project uh, it won some awards and different things. Uh, they loved the stories about India. They loved the stories about um, his age and how he committed to the training. And then when they saw the fight scenes, it was him like 90% of the time. So they saw results and that convinced them that, hey, if you did that, then this is what we're looking for because whoever we cast, we want to see the actor. We're not, we don't want to depend on stunt doubles, camera tricks, or different things like that, which is what a lot of second unit directors make the mistake of when they show their footage because it's their boys flipping, kicking, doing all these crazy things. But then you get somebody else who's done, done a $3 million movie, a $7 million movie, who comes in and all you had was sheer will and desire and a prayer and a hope that your actor can do the best he can with the time you had. And yeah, there was a lot of big names up for that one. So when I got the call, um, it was crazy, you know, that I got the call for that because at the time, I believe I was going to support a friend of mine who was up for Black Panther at the time. And this was part one, of course, but he got it. It's just I would have supported him on the team as a fight choreographer. But Alter Carbon was stunt coordinator, second unit director. So, of course. Yeah, I, I mean. I was like, Alter Carbon. Yeah, you, <laughs> you got to do, you uh, got to, for you, you got to make that choice, right? Like, that's, that's yeah, the, yeah. yeah. And that's how I came about. Um, <clears throat> recommendation, a few interviews. Uh, I knew nothing about it. So I didn't have an intimidation about how big it was. But then also when I knew they were coming big out the gate with um, a director from Game of Thrones, uh, Miguel Shishpachnik, if I'm pronouncing his name right, uh, who's directed a lot of huge episodes on Game of Thrones, uh, Battle of the Bastards and other stuff like that. So some of the most famous episodes of Game of Thrones, he was behind. So, you know, 
he had his own ideas about how to do things, how to shoot things. But look, great time getting that together. Alter Carbon, I thought, should have been a game changer because of the budget and the time they put into this. Um, but yeah, looking back on it, there were so, so many things I wish we could have done differently to put it on a, the, the level it truly deserved. Well, that's that's what's interesting, because for me, I feel like it was on a level that was far beyond what I was expecting, to be honest with you. I mean, you guys. <laughs> oh, man, if you knew. Not 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 to be <laughs> crude, but you guys pulled off the naked Dyke and Lockman fight, which is one of the most amazing fights that's ever happened. You have Kinnaman just like. You turned, in my opinion, you turned Joel Kinnaman into a star in Altered Carbon. I know, I know. Uh, I, 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 I definitely can't take no credit for that one. Um, no, here, here's why. With, with me, everything's always a, a team effort and, and with anything. Now, regardless if I get the credit of action designer or something like that, you know, you're only as good as your team. While I'm doing the meetings, while I'm dealing with the politics, while I'm trying to make sure our action doesn't go too far away from the script or anything like that. Um, we had Tim Connolly, who was his stunt double. Tim Connolly is a major hitter in the industry. He's double some of the best in the world. He's a great action designer himself, our choreographer. We also had Jeremy Marinas, who, as you know, is from 87. Uh, he's in came into his own big time with John Wick 4 recently. And then yep, I and he's did he Silent Night. He did Silent Night with Kinnaman, which is, for yeah, those listening, yeah. if you're not aware, is just coming out in a couple of weeks. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So they had a great relationship and obviously that bond still carried through. So I, I'm definitely not going to take credit for what I would call the overall appearance of the action design. My responsibility for me, and this is where as leaders, we have to um, channel our way through how you get things done. Because if a director comes in, or the many directors that come in, and there is no tone, no aesthetic, no uh, shift of how we do things, and it stays steady throughout the season, then you get what I would call a mishmash of direction, where everything goes with the flow. Some guy comes in, he puts five cameras up for an action sequence, and you're like, wait, what, what camera are we selling for? Are we hosing it down, rushing boxing it? What, what are we doing? But that's not how we rehearse. So we don't rehearse to ever sell for five cameras, we rehearse for one, two cameras max. So that way the audience can enjoy and see the action. It's not every two moves, there's a cut. Every time someone turns their head, there's a cut. We don't operate like that. We want you to enjoy the beauty of the action design. And hopefully you can remember it and want to watch it again. You know. Um, so with that being said, <clears throat> we obviously have no control who's the directors, who comes in. Once they're there, it's their show. And then it's on me to find the way to not let my team get buried on how we display our hard work. So this is where, for me, I always look back and learn lessons of uh, how could you have handled that better? How could we have found a way to say, maybe we shouldn't do five cameras. Maybe we shouldn't do three right now. Hey, maybe you should let second unit shoot this and we can shoot other things for you. We can grab this. So those are the things you always learn, but at the end of the day, your producers are the ones that put those things in play and back you, support you, or just 
put their hands behind their back and say, good luck. <laughs> and now, now you're the bad guy fighting with people on set on how you get this done in this amount of time. But Alter Carbon to me was um, my TV version of The Matrix, if you want to call it that. If The Matrix ever expanded into TV, you would get something like an Alter Carbon. But, you know, Joe Kinnaman, he brought such gravity and levity to it, man. You know, with the character, his little subtle choices, uh, his decisions, the way he carried himself uh, when it was time to do the action, seeing that his frame come to life with stuff. And he's a hard worker, man. I mean, he was rehearsing on weekends and he didn't have to do that. There'll be times where he worked Friday night and said, hey, bro, uh, can you come to the gym for two hours or something, man? Even just me and you with the whole crew that can't make it. You know, of course, we were always there to support him, but seeing him just say, man, look, I'll give up two hours of my day if it means I'm going to look better and represent this character better. And we saw him grow throughout the series. We saw him get more comfortable with things, whether it was the sword work coming up, whether it was gunplay, whether it was grabs, locks and throws. Uh, he was committed. Um, so at the end of the day, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with Silent Night because I, I haven't seen Joe get off in a minute or, you know, really be utilized. I mean, Suicide Squad, he didn't, uh, to me, he didn't really get put out there. No, in, in, in great action sense. And in this, in the second one, the James Gunn one, you know, spoilers, his whole point is to die, even though I actually think he's great in that movie. What's mm -hmm. funny for me with Kinnaman is, so I, I kind of, always thought Kinnaman was just another bland, boring white guy, especially not his fault. The Robocop <laughs> remake, not good for him. I'm yeah. just like, yeah, altered carbon is what spun me 180 around on him to now where mm -hmm. if I see Joel Kinnaman's name in something, I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Like, because he, he, like you said, he's able to bring, it's the subtle nuances that he's able to bring to yes. things. Yes. Uh, and he does the work, as we always talk about on this show. Mm -hmm. There's actors that do the work and there's actors that don't. And Kinnaman does the work. There's no question about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and look, there was other actors and actresses in there that all stepped up. They all did their thing. Um, yeah, that naked fight, man. Ooh, that was a crazy one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously it was a private set, you know, with all due respect for everybody, man. But yeah, crazy story um, about that one. And uh, shout out to Deachin because he was a soldier, man. Um, yeah, having to deal with that and uh, some footage I think I lost and a, an extra half a day was added for us to come back and redo the half a day of footage that was lost and mentally when you know you're over a fight and you know you've done it you've exhausted yourself and to find that place again and find those moments again and some of those moments came out better the next time around because you knew what they were you know he was anticipating it but yeah man that, that was a, a crazy time man um yeah all to carmen man it was it was it was it was great so shout out to larry lamb um Tim Connolly, Jeremy Marinas, Reg and the crew, Vancouver, all the stunt guys. Um, of course, 87 for the support on that one. Um, yeah, but that was, that was my biggest project today. Till this day, to be honest, if I'm correct. Um, it was a monster. I mean, we were up there with Game of Thrones budget for every episode. Well, and it shows the money's on the screen. I mean, that, that was one of those, that was one of the first Netflix series where I'm like, and look, I've, 
been on record as having my issues with how Netflix does things and stuff like that. But Altered mm -hmm. Carbon, I cannot fault. They put the money behind it. It it and it shows. And I apologize. I mispronounced her name. I've never heard her name. So it's Dishan, not Dykin. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah. uh she's like the anti-kinnaman for me because I remember first seeing mm -hmm. her in Dollhouse and being like, oh. This this woman has it. She has it. Like I oh, thought yeah. she was set for the I thought she was just gonna go to the stratosphere. And and so I yeah. love that that altered carbon yeah. really hooked her up and made her look as amazing as she deserves. Yeah, yeah. And once again, she put in the work, man. And it is just was crazy because the good thing about someplace like Vancouver, when you cast LA actors, is you know, they were able to train back at home. Because I believe, you know, she just had a kid not too long ago before the, the show. So she was able to be home, pick up her soul work, pick up her training through training at L.A. at the 87 facility. So I would just get videos of her progress and her training. So by the time she actually came out, all she did was learn the choreography or we would send choreography to her in L.A. So it worked out great, man. And she she put in... um such effort to everything and, and she was a badass like i believed her she had that thing that you turn it on or when she put that sword in her hand or she does the small things you, you truly believed her and uh shout out to will young lee as well you know who came in and killed it you know i mean i know they saved him for like a specific episode that flashback episode which was, believe it or not, shot out of order because we needed outside for that particular episode. So that was shot closer to when summer started in Vancouver. So uh, he was able to, you know, have time to train. He came and shredded. Um, his stuff was crisp, his clean. And, you know, he has such an amazing background in martial arts. It was cool to see him utilize it, you know, um, yeah, yeah, he 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 was great, man. So good times, man. You're making yeah. me really think about all, yet all the cool stuff that came out of this. Yet another actor that I have championed for years, William Lee. I, I, again, another yeah. actor that I thought was just mm -hmm. destined for the stratosphere. You know, I mean, uh, mm -hmm. we have a decent number of gamers who who listen to this show, so they'll also all appreciate if they're not familiar with William Lee, Sleeping Dogs. Mm -hmm. He's the the main character yep, in that, yep. but. But he, yep. um, you know, and, and his scenes that he has with Hamilton's own uh, Renee Lee Goldsberry, like they're so yeah. good together in those scenes. They're just yeah. tremendous. Um, yeah, Renee, Renee, look, Renee killed it too, man. I got to say, overall, looking at everything, looking back on this, I'm always going to beat myself up for anything that I feel like wasn't perfect. That's just me. Um, I'm always going to look at something and wish it was better, faster, more crisp. I can't control the edit, but, you know, I always think to myself, how could I have managed things better to maybe, maybe uh, dilute somebody's insecurities or <laughs> find a way to pacify the political strategy of how you get in. It's, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe you can help with the edit or maybe you're right. Maybe we shouldn't put three cameras up. What would you do? How would you film this with one camera and still make your day? You know, to have people get those conversations, I think is more of a victory than just puffing your chest out and saying, this is what we do. Screw you. You don't know what the hell you're doing. You know, so, uh, yeah. So lesson learned in many different areas. But, um, yeah, Alter Carbon, man, really good times now. Season two, I don't know what happened uh, besides the budget being cut, time being cut. 
I have no clue of that at all. I wasn't involved with season Yeah, two, I was going to say, you didn't work on season two, right? You had moved on to something no. else. Yeah. And yeah, you know, yeah. I was doing a little a little show in uh, another place in Canada. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was on another show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I will say the only thing about season two that, that does suck is it didn't work out as well because Mackie was great casting. Like, and I am mm-hmm. a little bummed that you did not get to work with, you know, do a series with, with Mackie. Cause I think that would have been, mm-hmm. that would have been pretty exceptional, but yeah, you were on another little show, a little show yeah. from DC comics. Uh, and, oh. uh, you know, and we talked, we were talking off record about you saying one of the things that you think is important for somebody in your role is to make an actor. Look, you can work with the Scott Adkins and the Daniel Bernhardts and stuff all you want. But what really sets somebody apart is, can you take an actor and make them look like they know what they're doing? And let me tell you something. When I think action star, Brenton Thwaites certainly is the yes. first person that pops to mind. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, Russ, yes. Yes. So yeah, let's talk about yes. let's talk about Titans, which uh is Oof. I think from an action standpoint, pretty friggin' incredible. But let's talk about it, man. Wow, Titans, man. Um, yeah, that was a crazy one. Um, look, I'm I'm a blurred, I'm a geek myself, so I, I keep up with things. I try my best to uh, see what's out there, you know, so I'm not caught off guard about things that could be cool or I may want to go for. Titans was one of them, but if you remember right, Titans went through a few different channels. Titans was supposed to be on TNT at one point when it was first announced. Um, also, I believe it was going to be filmed in Atlanta, Georgia um, in the beginning. Now, I couldn't keep up with everything, but by the time Titans did happen, um, they were already shooting. They were shooting in um, Toronto, and um, I heard about the shooting because, you know, we have this thing that misinformation about where things are shooting that we keep away from the stunt community, you know. Um, so it was cool. I was like, okay, great. Titans is shooting. All right, good luck. Then I get a call, I guess, like, oof, four months after I've already known they were shooting from a buddy of mine saying, um, saying, hey, there's this producer looking for um, an action guy, director, stunt coordinator for this big series for DC or whatever. And I didn't know what the series was, you know? So um, get in touch with the producer. Um, he's like, hey, I wouldn't think you're available, man. Are you, are you available right now? And it just so happens I was available. Cut to the very next day, get a meeting at uh, Berlanti's office. And um, Berlanti, busy guy, cool guy, very, very busy. So for one, for me, me walking out into the WB lot, walking into these offices and walking past all these amazing posters of these shows and movies and different things. You know, yeah, the, the inner child in me, of course, was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm looking at all your childhood heroes or different characters. So anyway, uh Finally get to him. We talk for a moment and literally at my laptop and I said, well, let me show him some quick action right quick. He looked at maybe 15 seconds of footage and said, okay, that's enough. You got it. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) So he brings me to his office, brings me to another office. He walks me down to another office. Obviously, I see it's Titans. And I'm like, oh, shit. Damn, it's Titans, you know? So walks into this other office. 
and an editor, I believe, was um, editing the pilot. And so the there was an alley fight that I was watching. Okay, so I'm sit down. He said, "Hey, watch this," you know. And he was like, "So let me know your thoughts." And so, um, so when he shows it to me, I'm looking at him. Like, okay, cool, cool, all right. And he says, "What what you think?" I said, "Well, I see what's happening here." Blah blah blah. And he said, "Okay, that bullshit me. What do you really see?" I'm like. Okay, well, there's not much camera movement. It could be more uh, brutal. It's not memorable. Um, there's some flash in some areas where it shouldn't be flash. Uh, the guys are standing around on this framing. I'm not sure what B camera set up here, what it's trying to show. And he's okay, great. You're on a plane tomorrow. You're reshooting all of this. And I'm like, oh, tomorrow. And what I specifically remember about tomorrow was it was Valentine's Day the next day, and I had plans. <laughs> so I literally had to ask, hey, can I fly out the evening or the night of, of the 14th or something like that? So sure. Um, fly out. I get on a plane, red eye. The reason why I'm being this specific is because it was a whirlwind after that. I get off the plane. I didn't even go to my hotel. They brought me straight to production office, straight to um, rehearsals. And I literally had my bags. I'm upstairs with meeting the stunt team, the local stunt team. And I'm literally into choreography 10 minutes after meeting them for the current episode, which was like episode six. Um, and meet Brenton I think two hours later he comes up I show him the choreography his words was you're staying right you're you're, you're staying here right and I was like yeah yes sir I'm, I'm here it's okay great 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 and from there it was a whirlwind of working with the locals finding um what they were doing what what they were looking for there was a lot of miscommunication and some people could feel thrown under the bus if there's not proper communication about what are you looking for versus what we're delivering. Okay, so if you can't express it and communicate it well, that's on me to give you proper examples. So that way your words can articulate the action that you're looking for that matches the story. So here's a few samples. Here's a version A, here's a version B, here's a version C. Go that far. So someone can sit and go, that's it. Give me a little version A mixed with version C. That's what we're looking for. Now you say, great, we have our tone. We know what we're looking for. This is what we're doing the rest of the season. And it was kind of plain and simple. They just wanted brutal. They wanted uh, in your face something different because they were going for more adult themes. So I wasn't held back by the PG-13 uh, what you would call some of the CW action. And it fits that world. Titans wasn't that world. They experimented um, with tone, design, with the characters. And um, I, a lot of people know this, but I'll say this. Uh, the famous Batman line, I shot that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I figured, because when you yeah, said you yeah. reshot that alley scene, I knew that's exactly, I was like, that's the fuck Batman scene. Like, I knew exactly what scene yeah, that was. yeah. Well, but the hilarious part was um, when I got there, uh, we were in the middle of episode six, if I'm correct. So now I remember it's 12 episodes. So I'm technically starting halfway through the season. So what they did was, I guess they liked what they were seeing in episode six. They they saw the energy. They saw 
the newness and the action. So I had to go back and reshoot uh, action from, I think, two to three different episodes on top of keeping up with the present scripts and the present episodes. So I'm probably not exaggerating when I say from the moment I landed until the show ended, I was probably working six days a week for three and a half months. No, oh, jeez. I barely, I barely had Sunday. And this was rare in TV because normally you get your Saturdays. But sometimes Saturdays was used for us to refilm stunt viz to show what we're going to do on the reshoots for a second unit. And next thing I know, I was just thrown second unit, second unit, just stunt coordinator on Monday, second unit on Thursday, stunt coordinator Friday, second unit on Saturday, location after location. Um, the directors were cool. No one came in with egos. Um, shout out to uh, Greg Walker, our, our showrunner. Shout out to Robert T's producer, uh, Jeff Johns, Akiva for the, for the trust to see this guy from LA just come in and just basically turn things upside down about what we're shooting, how we're shooting things. Um, Glenn Winter for the trust with uh, the Batman episode, which was crazy. <laughs> um, because that was an interesting thing right there. I was like, oh my God, we're getting Batman. No, you're not getting Batman. You're getting the silhouette. You're getting the cow. You're getting a hand. You're getting a boot. Maybe a cake might go through the smoke or something. He's in the shadows. Let me stress. These these were notes we got. He's in the shadows. You know, it's not supposed to be Batman. Because <laughs> what it was, they didn't have the money to really put time into a proper suit. So they wanted something Batman-esque, which means if you play with the shadows and silhouettes and smoke or whatever, sure, you can do something Batman-esque. But you got Lornell Stovall, who was a geek. And I was like, man, fuck that. We seeing Batman. <laughs> 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 so, so needless to say, uh, we choreographed in the sense where it could have been that. But there was two particular sections that I was like, hey, pull the camera back. Pull the camera back. And people are like, Lornell, like, ah, shut up, shut up. Pull the camera back. And sure enough, we pulled the camera back and we literally saw the stunt guy uh, do like five moves here, four moves there, three moves here. Sure enough, it made the edit. And I was like, oh, snap, we get to see him. Shit. So in my little way, and I'm going to say little, with all due respect, because the guys that I've done the feature films, um, kudos to them for the huge challenge of delivering an impossible task. Um of delivering proper Batman action. I was just happy to say, hey, I got Batman on my reel. Ish. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm humble enough to to say ish, you know. But yeah, good times. No, I mean, in and in, in this open, you know, when you were on last last time, you talked about the future for you is directing. And this you mm -hmm. you directed, you know, a full three episodes of this series. Uh so you know you've got yeah. you got your feet, you got your feet wet doing doing directing i know you've done some shorts before but like this is you directed a mm. major warner brothers dc production television series man that's fucking cool oh, as man. hell yeah that was crazy man uh season two man um coming back from season one and uh look as you can see you know and this is no secret season two things changed 
Uh, the tone changed. It was a little more lighthearted. It wasn't as uh, dark as season one. And I get it. Some fans didn't like that. Uh, this wasn't their Titans. Uh, they wanted more of the lighthearted, little jokey, a little, the colors, the tone, the everything. I was like, wait a second. Does everything have to be so broody, so this, so whatever? And, you know, I like season one. It was crazy enough, but I liked it. Look, I had no control of the story, the writing, but the action itself, they cut me loose. So I haven't felt that much freedom in a long time. Not since, I'm going to say Continental. Continental is probably the last time I felt that type of freedom where the producers, the directors, they, they're with you, the showrunner, they just want the best action design that you can deliver for their bang for their buck. Okay, cool. And we, we killed it. I mean, look, uh, the team out there between uh, Aaron Tony, um, Brian Hole, Larry Lamb, Derek Barnes, Mustafa, so many different people, Manny, Brendan, uh, yeah, so many people contributed to it, but they let us have fun. And you saw the results of that fun. Season two, we felt a little handcuffed. I'll be honest. There was a lot of little politics behind the scene, a lot of saving money here and there, um, a lot of training sequences <laughs> to compensate for exterior expensive shoes. Right, right. You can tell they were pulling things back. But my first episode, look, man, I, I want to say I, 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 I lucked up big time. Because um, when you hear you're directing and you don't know your episode, it's nerve wracking waiting on that script. Which one is yours? So you start seeing directors' names. Directed episode one, two, three. Okay, four, five, six. Ooh, okay, seven, eight, nine. Okay. And you're still like, where, where am I landing? You know, because we only have 13 episodes. So episode 10, then um, next thing you know, we get, oh, my name was on uh, episode 10 at first. Well, this is interesting. Episode 10. I was supposed to direct episode 10. Something happened either with paperwork, timing, a film schedule or something. And then I started prep for episode 10 for one day. One day. I'm like, here we go, episode 10. My main character in there was Superboy. It was an episode with Superboy and Crypto. Um, I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to have some fun with this. And then something changed schedule-wise where Boris, who's the DP, love Boris. That's that's like, that's my, that's my homie right there um, through thick and thin. He directed episode 10, then I switched to episode 12. Cool. I had no clue episode 12 was. But I started falling in love with Tim. It was like, oh, this is going to be great. I can do this, do this, do this. So I had to turn that energy off. Go back into stunt coordinator mode. Take the director hat off and go back into coordinator mode. Okay, so 10, 11, I get the script for 12. And 12 was amazing, man. I was like, it was a, uh, Hawk was, uh, was the star of that episode. And as we know, Alan Richardson, who's Reacher, who's killing yeah, it be now. I had I had him as my star of my first directing episode, and I knew he was a star. I knew he had charisma. I knew he could do fight scenes. But what I was happy with was they gave me an episode that had depth, that had layers, that dug into the characters. Um, it had psycho weird stuff, um, you know, with uh, Isai who. Um, was our Deadpool. So I had a mixture of everything happening in this crazy episode. And normally 
the episode before the finale is always what you would call a boxed in episode. It's something that will lead to bits of the story throughout the season that will expand and be huge in the finale. So usually your episode before the finale is a throwaway episode. I was like, oh, I can throw away episode. But when I got the script, I was like, oh, snap. This feels big. And sure enough, we had cage fights. We we had supernatural stuff. Um, we had car. I mean, we had so much happening in episode that I walked away from it so humbly grateful to say, I can't believe what we pulled off on this episode. And uh, it won an award, actually. Uh, I think a CSC award. Yeah, uh, yeah, I I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, which was crazy. First time out the gate. Well, and it's amazing because yeah, like you talked about, you know, one of the things that I think Titans did really well because I certainly have some issues with Titans as a series. It, it felt like you mentioned mm-hmm. it felt a little schizophrenic. It felt a little. The action certainly was never an issue, but I also thought. Mm-hmm. Richson and Minka Kelly as Hawk and Dove was such a brilliant masterstroke of casting. And, and I love both of them as actors. I've loved Minka Kelly for years. She was in uh, that great short lived Carl Urban uh, series, almost human that, uh, that was also amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they, that was such great casting for Hawk and Dove, which because I'm a nerd, are some of my favorite mm-hmm. DC Comics characters because I like the obscure mm-hmm. DC Comics characters. Um, you know, and so that... Same, same here. I, I love the smaller ones, yeah. Yeah, and so that episode where, yeah, <clears throat> you know, Hawk really does get a focus. And again, it's it's Richson. You're giving the vanilla gorilla... A, a massive focal point here and uh and and it's and he's so good he's so he cuts just yeah. such an impressive presence on the screen but then for you yeah, to be he, able to one to to do that is amazing to me. well it, it was look um it was a mind-blowing experience and of course there's always nerves you know because you're like okay big boy you say you want this you say this is what you're aiming for here you go what are you going to do Look, there's always going to be lessons you learn from. There's always going to be methods and techniques you think, could I have done this better? Could I have told the story better? Could I have been more specific here better? But I will say this. Um, all the actors were amazing, even the newer ones that came in and had no clue. <clears throat> it was my first time directing. It was just uh, communication, communication. Uh, the the way the crew was moving, they, it's like they bent over backwards for me to make sure I got what I needed. Um, I had proper time. Um, I was piggybacking off of other episodes a half a day because it was the same location where they would go, okay, Larnell, you're up. You got three hours with this scene and it's for your episode, but we're in this location. So you need to come down, stop what you're doing, whatever you're doing today. They come shoot this scene with Brenton and him looking at the suit and then making sure, because it was the Nightwing suit, uh, the scene where they show how suits are made, that was fun. That, that, that was fun. So I had, I think I had three hours to shoot that really quickly. Um, and of course, I had to be really specific because the next director didn't want the suit being seen at all. So I had to make sure the camera hit it when it turned around. There really was no Nightwing suit there. <laughs> so just to ensure that nothing was given away for the big reveal of, of him turning to Nightwing. And it's all good. I, I totally understand. And if I was the next director, I would say the same thing. Like, hey, I get the reveal. So you can hint at it. 
But, you know, we didn't do blue. We didn't do anything to try to hint at what it's doing. There's scrimmer trying to make sure we didn't show the, the new version of the weapon. So there's many things that were, that were shot down. But one fun thing, I will say this, man. I had access to the library of characters, of no-name characters that would appear in the cage fight. So that was insane to me that I was able to look at certain names and certain people. And then I was told no on a few people because it was like, oh, we got plans for this person. We got plans for this person. Not we as in Titans, but DC Universe. That this character, he or she might appear because Arrow was still going on. Um, <clears throat> Flash was still, obviously Flash was still going on. And uh, DC Legends of Tomorrow was still yeah, going on. Yeah, Supergirl was still going on. I mean, basically all yeah. the CW-verse was still going on at that time. Yeah, yeah so, so it was interesting picking certain people and being told no, because, oh, this was over here, this was going. I was like, wow, okay, good to know. So, you know, I landed on some obscure characters, which is funny because I, I jinxed was one of my favorite characters that was like, oh yeah, you can hint at that and that's fine. We'll just get somebody to dress up as that. Stunt people, it was like a little throwaway Easter thing that some fanboys would catch. But yeah, that, that was good times, man. Um, season two, first time stepping out the gate and I was invited back for season three and season three was a big challenge to, uh, to do a block, you know, to do two episodes back to back and two episodes back to back is basically a feature film. You know, so to be on that type of schedule and see yourself do two different episodes, two different themes, um, they're not back to back. So it wasn't like I did episode eight and nine. I believe mine was episode eight and 10. So they weren't connected. So there was no rollover. There was no uh, continuity concerning a storyline being carried through from eight to 10, just bits and pieces, um, both very different. Uh, one very strong with drama and a lot of cerebral thinking about, you know, um, different things the characters were going through. Then 10 was kind of balls to the wall with the heroes getting arrested or turning themselves in at the police station. And that was fun, but a nightmare, man, because you had all the characters, all these powers, and trying to find a way to hold them back or not let them just take everybody out with one swoop you know so that that was a huge challenge you know um beast boy transformation uh starfire what she can do obviously superboy and then nightwing having no choice but to get in uh to the fight and it was, that was a huge challenge man but fun very very fun everybody was open everybody was game and to piggyback off of what you said uh with brenton uh, Brenton is a beast, man. Uh, he goes when, when he's zoned in and he's locked in, you know, he was a great Robin. He was a great Nightwing. And, um, I, I truly, truly wish, you know, he could have got a spinoff or he could have got, um, a solo, you know, like mini movie or something, um, you know, to wrap up some more story stuff. But, um, when I was involved with the Raid remake, I, w I wanted to pitch Brenton as the lead. That would, so I, I, my biggest like credit to Titans is so I, you can't see it. It's off camera, but I have an entire shelf dedicated to Dick Grayson slash Nightwing. He's one of my awesome. favorite comic book characters of all time. <laughs> I'm yes. very protective of him. 
uh, Brenton <laughs> nailed it. I I had yes, no problems buying Brenton as Dick Grayson at all. And especially mm-hmm. once yes. he makes that transition to Nightwing, I had no mm-hmm. problem buying it. He looked great in the action scenes. Like mm-hmm. you said, you know, he, 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 he nailed the Escrima. He had the fighting style. He has the body. He has the charm because the biggest thing with mm-hmm. Dick Grayson is right. Like he's like the biggest man whore in the DC universe. You got to be able to believe <laughs> that everybody <laughs> wants to sleep with him. It's Brenton Thwaites. Of course, everybody wants to sleep with him, right? Like, like it. So yeah, they didn't, I, they didn't expand upon that part of him too much, which was cool because you know I, we were adult themed, but again, they didn't want to have sex be the forefront of his character too much because they always had him in drama, always had him in crazy situations. So the situations they had him in, it was kind of hard for him to you know have a relationship or do other things on the side, you know, based off of. You know how they put yeah. him in these uh, he, hard to deal with things. He still needed, and especially he needed the chemistry with Starfire with with Anna, who yes. I thought I know she got. Look, people suck. Comic book nerds suck. The shit that yep. she got when yeah. she was cast was absolute yes. bullshit. Yes. Because yeah. a she's fucking gorgeous. B she was mm-hmm. incredible in that role, and they yes, had the exact yes, amount of was. chemistry that they needed. Like I loved yes. them in that series. Anna, man, I, look, all of them, when I, when I really look back on this now, and look, I've been separated from Titans food for about, what, four years now, um, but it was hard leaving. Um, it, it was hard, um, you know, moving on to other things. Sometimes you have to know when enough's enough. Sometimes you have to know when you've done the best you can, and you have to look at what your future is. So it was hard because they were like a, a family to me, you know, um, Ryan, who played Gar, I knew Ryan when he was like six years old. So to see him come up as this amazing actor, whether it's voiceover him in front of the screen, Gar is Ryan. He killed it, man. The boyish charm, the little small things that aren't on the page that he brought to life, man. It was just so amazing watching him jump in and out of that character but still you saw him within it as well you know and he was so intelligent with his approach and all the actors man you know it's just bringing me back now watching them do their thing and you know a lot of people know how great ryan is as a martial artist as well you know that one thing i will say about season two was when they tried to pull back uh financially on the fights and different stuff it was cool that I believe they listened from the action side. I won't take credit too much that if we're going to be in this dojo and Robin's training them on how to prepare and handle certain situations, then this is a time for our actors to learn more fight scenes, you know? So <clears throat> thus Ryan being able to show what he can do without going running on the side, trying to strip down to change into a tiger, you know, all the time. Um, then, of course, you know, we had uh, Curran, uh, who came in as our Red Hood. And, you know, he, he was, I mean, he was a blast to work with, killed it as well. And uh, yeah, perfect combination of, of my favorites. Perfect combination of douchiness that Jason Todd required. Yes. Like he was such yes, a great Jason yes. Todd. Yes, yes. I mean, um, yeah, that was, that was so funny because, um, I don't know if a lot of people realize this, but was it season one? Yeah. 
season one, the Jason Todd episode, I shot that whole fight scene, uh, second unit. And I think that was one of my first big days as second unit director. So it was a little pressure because, you know, it was like, okay, we flew this guy in. What can he do now? I haven't shot the uh, alley fight yet, you know, because we were still shooting in present episode order. Um, but yeah, shooting that, um, Jason Todd versus the cops or Robin versus the cops, man. That was good times right there because it was the way we shot it. It was our edit. They let us edit the fight scene, which is rare that you ever let the action team uh, assemble a fight scene in post or show the example of how it should be edited. But as I've said before, I try to shoot the edit in the camera. That way, if we're not involved in posts, you can only do so much with it. Right. Because this is the only only footage you're getting. Right. Exactly. You exactly. Know? And some show and some showrunners, I get it. They feel stifled because they're like, well, Arnell, we need we need footage. We need we need other angles. We need other, you know, where, where's where's your where's your coverage or whatever? And I'm like, nope, this is it. This is what you get right here. Now I do try to make sure if it's a story, the story is being told within it. Um, whether you need to feel emotion or drama or some dynamic or tension, or I'm trying to make sure that's there too. But in action, I'm a firm believer of doing your best to shoot the edit in the camera. But as I'm getting older, I will say this, and this is me telling some of my peers uh, and some of my younger people as well, that sometimes shooting the wides are great, but no one's asking for Hong Kong style present day. We're a fan of it. We respect the art. We understand how difficult it is for those masters to do what they have done. But today's audience, and anybody can fight me on this, who's asking for Hong Kong style now? We desire the camera movement. We desire the fluidity of it. We desire the skill level it takes. But present day audience doesn't appreciate 20 to 30 moves back to back and no one's gotten hit really no one's selling pain there's no cuts and now you're taking out of the fact of realism and you're like oh i'm watching choreography now i'm just watching a dance i'm just watching there's no stakes now because who can counter somebody 15 to 20 moves in a row and no one has made contact no one has hit each other it's like you're doing a kata now you know so but with that being said with Titans and filming and style, I've learned myself that sometimes you have to cut into your 10 movement sequence that you did spend a lot of time filming because if someone grabs a wrist and does a wrist lock and when I twist the arm a certain way, uh, the bone pops out of the wrist. I might need to cut into that to show the bone popping out Thus, me cutting out of the fluid 10 to 12 moves that these actors did train hard to do. But if I want to make the audience cringe or feel the pain for that moment, I might have to put a B camera up and say, guys, great job, but I need to kind of insert this pain moment where the knuckle pops or the, the, the wrist bone pops out or something just so people, ooh, and then now we get back to the other two moves and slam his head through the table and put him through the wall or something. But when you don't do that and you just hear the crunch, 
or you hear the bone pop, you hear the scream, but it's still from a wide angle, you're not truly invested anymore into what just really happened to appreciate the skill of your so-called badass lead. So um, that's just a lesson for me, because in the past, I was that guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, hey, give me 15, 20 moves. Let's go. One camera. Boom, let's go. Now I'm like, you know what, man? Five to eight moves. Cut. Seven to seven to six moves. Cut. You know, but you remember what happened more. I, I, so I actually have, I've argued this for years. I actually went viral a, a few years ago because I did a whole editing breakdown on a certain big budget Warner Brothers martial arts movie. And my entire point was it's not the number of edits in a fight scene. It's the placement of the edits. And I actually contrasted. I used a scene from Isaac's Special Forces with Scott, mm -hmm. where Scott has yeah. a fight scene where he's fighting these guys uh, outside a truck. And there's Isaac mm -hmm. puts quite a few edits in. Isaac edits. Like, Isaac puts cuts yes. in his fight scenes. Mm -hmm. But the mm -hmm. way he does it, the edits flow so that it's literally you're watching Scott's leg kick a guy in the head, even though there's three cuts mm -hmm. in it. You never lose mm -hmm. sight of what you're watching is Scott kicking a guy in the head. Mm -hmm. And and to yeah. me, so that makes sense to me because sometimes you do need the cuts. You just, you have to know where to put the cuts. That's, where they go, yes. That's what yes, matters. Yes. And that's what I think a lot of people, when we complain about action scenes that they're over-edited or over-cut, mm -hmm. we're not actually complaining about the number. We're complaining about the placement. Yeah, the placement. And what's happening is a lot of times is editors are not action editors they are editors they can assemble they can put things together they can uh, try to do things and some people learn over time and then they become better but i'm under the impression now that look as a director sure i'll have a chance to choose my own editor i have a chance to choose my own post team okay i get that but for upcoming people who are stunt coordinators action designers fight choreographers you know, I'm of the sound mind nowadays where if your showrunner is open to it, why don't they have an action editor for the season just for the fight scenes? That's it. They can freelance the person. They can be union. But because we can't touch the footage, we're not supposed to touch the footage for union purposes, which I respect and I totally understand that. Now, can we do a blueprint assembly? Maybe. Can we walk through the fight scenes with an editor? Sure, if we have the time. But how often will you have time to sit with an editor and go, nope, take four, do this, cut this down by 12%, speed this up, do this. That takes a lot of time. But if there are specific action editors that may not be the editor of the season of the show, but once a week, once every two weeks, this person comes in with the previous two or three fight sequences that were shot, their specialty is editing it the same way the action team would, but their union. So now what you get is you get a sigh of relief that we can just keep shooting. We can do our thing. If we put up multiple cameras, this person will understand why we did this. And hell, we might even have conversations. They may get the stunt viz. They may have a briefing of what we shot, what was changed, what was this, what was to look out for. And now you have somebody in your corner that represents the type of presentation you know the audience deserves to see. The showrunner looks great. The team feels well. The studio's like, wow, look at this great action. Everybody's excited. You know, instead of, eh, 
story was cool, but the action was shitty or it was cut apart too much, man. Um, and speaking of punch, I mean, look, there's few directors these days that give you that punch. I mean, and Gareth Evans is one of the ones that give you that punch. You know, he, he can do long takes, but he also knows when to make you cringe, when to make you go ooh, or feel tension or build things slow. And then you're on a roller coaster of carnage, but then where to put in these certain small moments or, you know, the times I was able to work with him, it was, it was crazy because um, watching his style was like, wow, this is the way I think, but he's actually doing it. This is what I hope for, but he's putting it on screen. This is what I feel we should be doing, but there it is right here. So, so we got along amazing and, you know, like two big kids when it comes to cinema, it comes to action design. And believe it or not, he's a very squeamish guy <laughs> to say he does some brutal things. Um, but he's a perfect example of what I would say from the feature film style to something like Gangs of London of delivering that type of quality and punch, you know, our audience loves and deserves. So, you know, I was grateful for being able to do something similar like that on Titans and, you know, had a great team behind us to, you know, put that on the screen. Yeah. The, the two that I think are really just when it comes to cutting in those fight scenes are Gareth and, and Timo Gigianto. Timo, Timo also has mm -hmm. that unique understanding of how best yes. I need to put these cuts in here to max because Timo's, yeah. A lunatic. We we love him. He's a friend of the show, but he's an absolute he lunatic. <laughs> and so he wants to make the maximum impact possible. He wants to like hit you in the nuts when he does something. So he knows where to yeah. put those cuts perfectly. Um, yeah. And look, American cinema versus what you would call action from overseas. I feel like we're catching up and, you know, you know, with our action designers who have become stunt coordinators, um, uh, second unit directors, now directors, look, there's a voice out there and that voice is being executed well. Um, the only thing I would say that for myself is just, I, I just want to be careful, uh, making sure the action design doesn't look like a stunt showcase. Because once somebody falls too many times, hits the, um, the ratchets or whatever the case too many times. Sometimes it can be comical. Sometimes it works for the story. Um, sometimes it is, okay, that's enough. Sometimes it is like um, Albert Hughes would say, which was a lesson for me, don't overstay your welcome when it comes to things. Let people want more. Don't have people being drained going, oh, I'm so happy that's over with. Jeez. Because it it kind of dilutes your hard work. And you know, one thing he told me is, Larnell, great ideas, but don't compete against yourself. Don't compete against great work because then now you're out just trying to outdo yourself each time. Save some. If this fight could have been two and a half minutes, can you find a way to compact that into less than two minutes and still get the same impact? You know, instead of that extra 30 or 40 seconds where now I'm in fight fatigue mode, where it's like, oh, okay, we get it. Come on, someone's got to die. Someone's got to get injured. You know, so um, those are lessons, like you said, I'm, I'm still learning myself yeah. because sometimes you get carried away with fights, you know, and I always tell the, my fight guys, hey, look, don't just walk out on the floor and decide how many cool kicks and punches we're going to do. Follow the story first, and then now let's create our own action design story that's not on the page. Let's give them something they're going to be surprised to see. Sure, 
the script says our hero gets injured. Let's check and see what his injury is. Is it the shoulder? Is it the bicep? Is it the thigh? Is it the knee? Let's find a way to make something very interesting that doesn't prohibit our hero for the next scene or how long he should really heal. Think about that far ahead, especially if he's human. Well, yeah, he get hit here. He get hit. Wait, 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 wait. Now we're messing up that $4,000 suit <laughs> that wardrobe's going to flip out on. Okay. How about we just, you know, injure him on the side of the temple, something that he can have a, a scratch or a little blood leaking that gives him character or something or whatever, you know? So it's those little things like that, that I'm looking at now more from a storytelling standpoint. Um, and like we, we had a brief talk about action where, sure you want to put together the best sequence around you want to win these awards you want to uh show your top of the game or you're being discussed amongst the greats of who can deliver cool action keep your attention be fresh and new and always be in demand sure that a lot of us want to be under that category all the time that's an aim you know who doesn't want to be considered great who aims to be mid or mediocre nobody but when you're designing for actors, design for the character, design for something that they can perform, not what you can perform, not what you hope they can perform, that you're going to injure them trying to get them to learn something that you can do naturally in your sleep. Okay, sure, the audience will be impressed if they can pull it off. But are you willing to sacrifice production shutting down for four weeks because he twisted an ankle, popped a knee, threw his back out because you just had to have this cool flip you saw on YouTube? How about do something that's more character driven, that's powerful, that's impactful, and that's brutal? Go for that first versus the flash. If you have to add it, sure, put your stunt double in. The actor starts to throw. Your stunt double finishes the throw from a different angle and then finish with the actor completing the throw. I get it. We know the tricks. But producers at the end of the day will always feel more connected that if I chop this guy in the throat, I smash the bottle in his mouth and twist the bottle in his mouth, twisting his tongue, making his tongue bleed, and then putting the scraps of glass left over in the guy's eye, then slamming his head through the table and stumping on the back of his Achilles. The actor can do all of that himself. So if I have the actor doing that, the camera sees him doing that, and then at the end of the day, you walk away feeling connected to the actor's badass if you want to say that, versus, oh, climb up the knee, twist, go around, which Libre move, and then now he does this, and then the wire work does this, and then, okay, now you just cost me four hours to pull off that one cool throw versus I shot that in 35 minutes, my version. That, that was a vibrant and visceral description of an action scene, by the way, just just to say, like, like, sometimes I wonder what your brain is like all the time, Larnell. It's, I don't know, man, it's, I, here, here's the thing, I know I'm getting older in the game, I've been in it a while now, but I still live this, I, the, there's certain people who get my blood going, like, like, oh, shit, you're making an old man wake up now. That was cool, you know? So I love seeing that. So I, I like seeing these action designers out there deliver these cool things, you know, whether it's a Jeremy, whether it's a, um, there's a guy named Felix out there who's doing amazing things. You still got the Mannies, you still got the Vlads, you got the Slawyers, you got the Michael Lairs, um, you got the Micahs, you got uh, Phil Severa. Um, I know I'm missing a bunch of people. Uh, you got Steve Brown, um, 
you know, you got Chris Chris Brewster out there. Um, so many different people. Speaking of Chris Brewster, oh, this is crazy. Um, when we was talking to, briefly about um, the what ifs, the almost, those those different things. As a stunt coordinators, action designers, sometimes we always get attached to things. So we can't talk about them, or we're in pre-production, or it's just the early days of something, and nothing's official yet. And but when you think of uh, Undisputed Three, which I'm still proud of and I'm so happy that I was able to be given an opportunity to do something so small that was so impactful until this day still holds its own uh, concerning action design and fight scenes because I have such great talented people. What that taught me was <clears throat> never be afraid to utilize your talents in small areas because sometimes they lead to big opportunities. And for me, these small projects have led to big things. Um, for one, Undisputed 3, you know, led to so many other huge opportunities. But one that happened because of the footage from Undisputed 3 uh, was Justice League Immortal, which was, if I'm correct, going to be done by George George Miller. Miller. Back in yep. The day. I've, I've read yeah. the script. I've read the script. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah that was, the, it was going to yeah. be a thing. Yep. Yeah. The whole, uh, yeah, that was a, that was a crazy one, man. Um, look, I never went far with it. Um, I was brought on to help out with some of the action. Um, Brad Allen, if I'm correct, was going to be second unit director. Uh, I never made it out to Australia, but I was delegated to put together some action design um, in LA in the gym. I gathered a few people. Um, there was a new stunt girl who was going to double, I believe it was Megan Gale, who was our Wonder Woman. So I was training uh, a girl in LA and we were going to use the lasso similar to rope dart. We were going to find a way to not just be spinning and throws and different things. Uh, we, we were fooling with different ways of using rope darts to make the lasso more of a striking thing as well. You know, so uh, we were fooling around with that, um, had fun doing some Batman stuff um, with Chris Brewster, who's uh, who was Daredevil stuff. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, so <clears throat> we, were, we were all kids back then, if you think about it. Um, I worked with Brewster first time. Um, owned um Bunraku. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, he was he was a uh, a double for Kevin McKidd on that and he played a character in that. So we had a relationship where I was able to call him up and pull some favors. So I got some people in. And with this Batman thing, we were trying to do something that was very interesting where the style we were doing because you know with Batman being a master so many different styles but it's never seen on screen. It's never seen with him switching styles. Now, I'm not going to be one of those guys to talk about what I would do and all that other stuff, you know, because it's tough, you know, between story, dynamic, politics, the time, you know, between what Christopher Nolan version was, um, what Zack Snyder did, then um, the newest version right now, Matt Reeves is doing, all very different. Now, for me, you know which one I'm probably a fan of, Zack Snyder's, you know, that that Batman fight in that warehouse was the epitome of how Batman should fight. That is goosebumps right there for me. You know, maybe <laughs> I, not I, for everybody. I don't think much of our audience would disagree with you though. I I, I mean I, I think regardless of what you think of Batman versus Superman, um, 
I, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of it, but only the extended cut. I thought the theatrical, they clearly butchered Zach's mm-hmm. ideas, but the extended cut is brilliant. But that fight scene is is impeccable. Like, I, I just, whatever you think of the rest of the movie, you have to give it up for that fight scene. That fight scene is incredible. Yes, it was thought out uh, head to toe. The levels, the dynamic, him getting in trouble, him making some mistakes. You know, I mean, that's what you want from your hero, especially a a human hero. You want to see them uh, under pressure, um, not just walk in clear house and it doesn't, you know, seem realistic or you're so dirty and visceral, as you want to call it. You eliminate the fact that he knows so many styles, which means he should change lines. He should change angles. He should change dynamics. So we were fooling with a few things with intercepting. We were fooling with redirection. Uh, we were fooling with counters. We were fooling with different ways of flashiness mixed with brutality. You know, we were finding a way to do Muay Thai with the cape, you know. Um, so we were finding all types of different ways, man. But of course, you know, Justice League Mortal never happened. Uh, I didn't have the privilege of bringing any of this action uh, to the screen, you know. And so shout out to Richard Norton. Uh, Richard Norton, the legend himself, um, he's the one that reached out to me. Uh, brought me on to help out with that so he was giving me a huge opportunity because he has a great relationship he's done George Miller movies um, he's always in the Mad Maxes he's he's helped out on those other projects as well so um, but yeah he gave me an opportunity after Undisputed 3 saw the footage and uh, called me up and next thing I know I was in a gym with some people starting to choreograph things with Wonder Woman and Batman I even did something for Green Lantern with a few buddies just fooling around with ideas and you know so that would have (laughs) would have been I guess my big break into the theatrical realm of helping out now I'm pretty sure with someone like Brad Allen he would have stepped in with his people and did different things so I have no clue what that dynamic would have been like Uh, rest in peace Um, definitely one of those guys I looked up to Still thinks he set the bar high for action design, storytelling, final product. So it would have been an honor and a blessing to work with someone like that. So I was the new kid. I was just gung-ho, anxious and hungry and just uh, trying to let the fanboy come out through crazy fights. But yeah, man, we did some crazy stuff, man, with Batman and things I still haven't seen to this day. Yeah, that- I will say that. I will say that we we did some very interesting things. It, yeah. It's definitely uh, you know uh, the the road not taken right. If the strike doesn't happen, if Justice League Mortal goes goes forward, and you've got George Miller, like mm-hmm. I think the script has some issues, but obviously that could have also been tightened yeah. up if the movie had gone into production. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I thought the cast was was pretty spectacular uh, in terms of I, I yeah. thought Adam Brody as the Flash was just. Mm, chef's kiss casting and yeah. um yeah and we had a uh, john ham right for batman uh army hammer actually off? it was army hammer was he coming off of uh mad men at the time when mad men was still around no was it was it was hammer that? coming off the social yeah. network was uh, and then yeah you had okay, dj it. katrona yeah. as superman who ultimately went on yes, to be in the, yes, in yes. the shazam movies um would have yes, really yes. could have really been some some pretty 
impressive stuff. But uh, yeah, the the road not taken. I mean, that opens the door for Snyder to to put his vision in, and we get that great that's fight true. scene. That and you know, it's just it's it, and you know, and then you go on and you still end up in that world because you do Titans. It's just it's such a fascinating, like your career is just such a, a a unique combination of right place, right time, hard work, and paths not taken um which i think is true for a lot of the people we have on this show you know we Mm -hmm. have a lot of fight coordinators and and people on this show and it's all about Mm -hmm. that it's all they've all got stories of what could have been um yeah i'm I'm, look that's a whole episode by itself uh the, the the things we were a part of the things that were prepped the things that uh shoulda couldas uh i mean even another one i could have been a part of the first solo wolverine movie yeah yeah i did some test stuff for that um yeah with blur uh test stuff for that for pitches for a director who was really close to getting wolverine um that was fun that, that, that was fun as well a lot a lot of major stunt guys who are now big time directors second unit directors so we've all had our time where you know you you put effort out you support other people's visions uh, to help them get projects in hopes they remain loyal and they bring you along for the projects even just shout out the country or other places so it's kind of full circle because that's where we are now where we're the guys pitching now with ideas and concepts and uh, trying to convince studios to back us. So this is why I think it's very important that you make your first move, your best move, you know, concerning getting yourself out there. And um, look, love the TV world, but, you know, as you know, with future films, you can only do so many TV episodes before you're a TV guy, you know, where, you know, you don't want to do too much TV. You want to do enough to get some, credits get some experience you've led you've had real budgets for episodes you've made your days um if if it's talked about if it did great cool but it's a sample of what you may have to do on a feature film level like we talked about titan season two shooting a block if each episode was six and a half or seven million dollars you add both of those together okay great you got basically a 14 million dollar um episode or block that's a feature film right there you take 14 million, you go somewhere like Cape Town, Budapest, Thailand, or something, you get one or two names, you're rocking and rolling after that with, with some possible next level stuff, if done right, very creative, obviously maybe not superhero, but something grounded that you could put your niche on where the action truly sells it, good story, yeah, you, you're coming out the gate with something hot, hopefully, so um that's where we are nowadays with um, second unit directors who are now moving uh, over to stunt coordinators. I mean, moving over to uh director, should I say? Yeah. We, we, we kind of talked about that off mic that, you know, there's a reason, I mean, Chad and Dave could have directed movies long before they started. Oh there's yes. a reason yes. Yes. that they waited for John wick. They waited for all yes. the right things to be in place, mm-hmm. the right star, the right budget, the mm-hmm. right talent. And, and, you know, the rest is history. I mean, that just changed, changed everything. So. Yeah. And you know, I'm grateful for guys like, you know, Chad, where, you know, um, the examples they've said, the knowledge or the little discussions we've had personally, whether it's at the gym or just bits of advice here and there, where make sure you make sure you understand why you want to direct, 
Make sure you don't just say you want to be a director. Make sure you have stories to tell and you're ready to tell those stories properly because at the end of the day, it's about telling a story, you know, and bringing people along the ride and making sure you're able to maneuver the emotional range of what they should feel at certain times, you know, and before the person picks up the gun, before you have this amazing car chase, do I care about these characters first? And um, yeah, I was up for a project that I, I'm grateful I didn't get now. I'm looking back on it, when you pitch something, you put things together and you find out you beat 10 other directors, you find out, you know, you're in the final two or it's like, wait, it's between me and this person? Oh my God. And you're like, oh snap, you know, and you're right there and you, you feel it, you want it and you're thinking what you're going to do and how you're going to make a difference. Because, you know, of course, that's just what we think that if you get the opportunity, you're going to fucking kill it, you know, but you didn't get it. They go a different way. You see how it came out and you go, woof. Okay. <laughs> All right. But needless to say, no matter how that person expressed their idea with this film, how it came about, you don't know the politics. You don't know the time. You don't know what they have to work with. So there's no judgment there. Only thing you can say to yourself is that was not my destiny. That was not meant to be. And maybe just maybe that film would have buried me. Maybe that film would have prevented me from doing anything else for the next two or three years. No matter how hard I tried, no matter how many glimpses there was of cool action or moments I created, it might have not been enough to save a film to have an overall great uh, impression that this guy deserves another chance to continue directing films. So I have to say it was a great lesson on proper presentation, pitching, creating your own stories, taking a script that was crap and making it your own version that they loved, but they chose to go another route. So it was a great test um, to see what tools you have ready you know, so the time's coming. Um, there's some great things happening. Um, like I said, I really hope I can talk about it. Or hopefully you'll yep. see it in the trades. So, yep. you yep. know, that's 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 the best thing to just stay silent, make good moves. And uh, hopefully it's in the trades. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, Liam is currently working on what I think is fair to say is going to be a very, very major uh, majorly impressive action movie. I've read the script. I know who he's casting, yes. but he's playing everything close to the chest because he's had yes. so many movies that have, he's had so many false starts that it's like, you don't want to announce too much until like you're actually yes. there and it's going to yes. happen. Um, Cause at a certain yeah. point, then you also do have to worry if you announce too many projects and they never happen, you have to start, worrying that people are going to look at you and go, why can't this guy get a fucking movie made? Why can't he get this That's across exactly. the finish line? Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, um, when they say you're only as good as your next project, but if your next one has been your next six mm -hmm. <laughs> and none of those have came to light over the last three years, you know, it's okay. Do people not believe in you? Do people don't feel you're a good leader? Do people not trust you? Are the actors not, believing you're a great director or had a potential to guide them and lead them on this journey. So, um, you know, you never know. And none of it may be your fault. So I feel like just stay low key, 
Just keep creating, keep making the moves, keep networking, and eventually it will come together, you know? So, but for me, all I can do is look at the lesson and saying something I was approached for, maybe I um, should have passed it to begin with. But at the end of the day, when you feel like you can change something and make it better and you can create a different story or you can make something really cool, then of course you want to put your name on it. You want to take a chance. You want to say, hey, look, I know what other people would do, but this is what I would do, you know, whether it's an original IP or whether, you know, Marvel right now, you know, a lot of people are turning their nose up. But for me, I'm like, you know what, this might be a good time to get in there. This might be a good time to say, here's a fresh idea. Hey, let's take, uh, I don't know, let's take Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Let's put them in prison. Let's have them both be framed for a murder. Let's let them both have a certain amount of time to try to get out of jail. But guess what? They're in a jail with criminals that they've gotten arrested or put in jail themselves. So now they got to fight their way out. Iron Fist don't have access to his powers fully. He only has access to his power later in the movie. So now you get a brutal, R-rated, gritty, low budget, 30 million maybe, you know, one location possible with flashbacks of other things. And now you set yourself up for a 95 to 100 yep. minute run yep. of Luke Cage and Iron Fist without going to the, the Shaolin or without going to the hood for Luke Cage. We've seen that. Put them in a fish out of water situation. Cut them loose. Put some story elements. Put some death in there. Make them have some struggles with that. I don't know. Maybe make Cage weak or something from some some things he's being injected with through his skin, or he has to drink it or breathe it through the air. That doesn't make him so bulletproof. Make him vulnerable, and then go for the ride, man. Each level there's more challenging criminals, and then on the top level there's Diamondback, and then there's somebody else who is from Iron Fist past. I don't know, man. You know, it just I'm not saying it's that simple. No. But I'm saying when you're pitching when you're pitching things like that, I'm a fanboy. If I'm on the other end hearing that, I'm like, oh shit, where's oh, that movie? I, I'm literally sitting here going, <laughs> why is Michael Jai White and Scott Adkins not cast in this immediately? And why is this movie not <laughs> happening tomorrow? Right? Like, like it's literally right. <laughs> Um, but then at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this is where you also take the other bit of creativity. This is where, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for thinking outside the box. Okay, I don't have access to Power Man and Iron Fist. Okay, great. I'll do a version of that with those guys that, you know, were experimented on and here's the result of it and blah, blah, blah. And they break out. Okay, good. I don't have the Marvel brand, but guess what? I have the independent fresh IP, something I own now, something that I can push and yeah, sure, that version might have been the 35 to 40 million dollar version. This version, hey, we got 12 million. Okay, and guess where we are? Ah, we're in Indonesia. We're in Thailand. Or we're in Budapest. Okay, great. That 12 million or 10 million is going to go far. And people are going to go, holy shit, they cut y'all loose. You know, and at the end of the day, I think that's what fans want, man. We want those surprises. We want to be shocked, man. We, we want that feeling we had the first time you saw the raid. And you was going, holy crap, what is this? Where did this come from? How much did this cost? Who are these people? Now, yeah, sure, if you follow Morantile, sure. You might have went, oh, these are the same team that did that or whatever. But most people didn't. So you got South by Southwest. You got Khan. You got um, uh, Tiff all pumping it up. 
I, I miss those days, man. Like, you know, where's the next one? Where's yep. the next crazy, holy crap? This is what's missing in Hollywood. Let's inject some new fresh blood. Let's let's get some people who don't have access to the best, but bring out the most with what they have. And I think that's what's going to reinvigorate the action design um, genre. I really think so. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I'm always chasing the dragon. I, I actually call it the undisputed three dragon. I am always chasing the <laughs> undisputed <laughs> three dragon. And I'm not saying that just to blow smoke oh, up your ass, because I had seen undisputed two and I loved it, but, but something broke in me in a good way when I saw undisputed three, because I wasn't expecting it. I didn't see it coming. And, and I am, this is why I watch so many DTV and VOD movies because I'm looking for <laughs> that one. I'm looking for that William Kaufman, that Isaac Florentine, that, that Gareth Evans, you know, the, the, the people that I see something and I go, I have literally never seen this in a movie before. I'm seeing something new for the first day. And when you watch as many movies as I do, if you can make me say, I've never seen that before. That's then you you're golden, man. You're in. I will follow you until the ends of the oh, earth. Man, that's, um, that's yeah. Look, thank you for that. And at the end of the day, I'll, I'll tell anybody that that for me came from a place of hunger. And this is what I try to make sure for me. You know, I'm not sure about other people, but I remember where I was at the time. I remember what I was dealing with concerning opportunities. Holly weird, as I call it. I'm trying to find your place, trying to find your brand, who you are in this, and how will you get people to know about you and all these crazy ideas you have in your head? How, when will you be given the opportunity to put this on screen? Uh, Undisputed 3 was like video game characters to me, you know, because you had all these amazing people. Now, there's two sides of the coin of this. You can always say, well, if you got a Scott Atkins and a Marcos Aurora, you better do something cool. You better do something amazing. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. Be careful of that. Here's why. Sometimes the expectation is more because they're so skilled and they're so talented that now you're competing against their own expectancy of how great they are. So, you got to find a way to make them look better than any of their other movies they've done before and any of their movies they're going to do after. Here's why. They're great talents, but to me, you have to have what I call the sauce. You have to be the difference maker that when you two hook up, something amazing comes out of it because you have a certain way, you have a certain design, you have a certain pattern of how you design action that when you hook up with Larnell or you hook up with this person, expect something different, expect something cool because they think differently. They're going to ask you to do something unique. They're going to say, no, 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 you did that the last five movies. We're not doing that. I don't want to see any of that at all. In fact, we're going to go against what you've done the last five movies on purpose. So I want to give you an injury. I want to have you have your left leg is hurt now. Yeah, what? Yep, your left leg has hurt the whole movie. So now we're going to make you fight from a different way. Hey, Marco, you're great with your hands, right? You have very fast hands. Now nah, we're going to do something different. I want you throwing elbows. I want you using your shoulder. I want you using your head. I want you using knees now. But Larnell, I'm a puncher. I'm a kicker. I know. 
and you've done it on your last seven movies. So we're going to do something different this time. We're going to put a knife in your hand. We're going to put a bat in your hand. Okay. I don't want to see a 720. I don't want to see a 540. I don't want to see a corkscrew. That's to me, I feel like what makes the difference with an actor who's done fight scenes before, you yeah. know, whether it's if I ever worked with a Jason Statham, I'm gonna look at Jason Statham stuff and say, hey, look, I know what you've done. I know what the audience loves. I know what you give them. We're gonna give them some of that. But how about we give them some of this? Let's put some freshness in this. If you're game, if we have the time, if it's something new you need to learn, we're gonna learn it. If it's just a different way of doing things, let's make sure we keep that special way throughout the film because I think we talked about this before styles make fights when you do the same style against the same style it looks like a kata demo it looks like a demonstration in front of an audience because you're so in sync it looks like both of you guys know what the next move is going to be before you execute it but if I do something different and you know look I'm not patting myself on the back at all but with Continental, the one thing I can say about the finale fight with uh, Marina and Kate, they came from two different styles. So, of course, there was going to be a different dynamic, a different way of standing, different lines, different angles. But when some action design happens these days, everybody is following the fight choreographer in how he or she moves versus how the character should move. So for them, they were able to maintain being characters because they had their own sense of identity of who they are as fighters already. So now it became about putting them on the playground and now never had to worry about anybody looking the same. Have you ever noticed um, in fights, and we're all going to laugh about this, okay, the hero runs through 20 guys in a room, okay? But then all of a sudden, he runs against a bad guy who is nowhere near his skill level, but that bad guy's giving him a hard time now. That And it's not because he's injured. It's not because, you know, he can't fight back. It's just for some reason, all that skill we saw earlier with him taking out people left and right, and he's untouchable, he's invincible against all these other people. Then all of a sudden against these two guys or one person, he's having a hard time with no explanation know how i'm like break his knee or something first put some poison in his body put some gas in the room and the guy's running around with a gas mask on and the hero is coughing something then the air clears then he takes the mask off then the hero's dizzy and you see the blurriness in his eyes great let me do that now the audience will believe why this guy's in who's in his 60s all of a sudden is beating our badass hero down who's taken out everybody throughout the movie. Those are the things I think as an action designer, I hope we fight for. I hope you're brave enough to speak up in production meetings when you get the script and you say, hey, how is this guy able to beat our hero's ass right now? No, 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 just put something cool together. We're gonna film it like this or anyway, slow down. What is the story? of the how and why first. So I believe this because if not, you just diluted and basically took the balls out of all the choreography that we've shown earlier up until this point. So that's just me coming from an action designer standpoint and saying, maybe I'm getting cranky, maybe I'm getting no. older now. 
I think it I think it makes <laughs> perfect sense. Reality. I think it makes perfect sense. It actually, as you were saying all of that, actually, I kept thinking, you know, and I, this is, I think, a perfect place for us to wrap up. But I was going to say uh, the person that I'm thinking of that's next for the breakthrough. We've already talked about him a little bit is Jeremy. Jeremy Marinas has that exact same mindset mm-hmm. when it comes to his fight design. Mm-hmm. He he very yeah. much uh, changes up how he uses his, his actors in a way that, that a lot of other people don't do. So, you know, and I love him because he's coming from also a dance background, which I think is amazing. And so like, (laughs) I, I love, I love that, you know, that Jeremy's working with John Woo and he's, he's really on the cusp of breaking out because I Mm -hmm. think he, he thinks the way you do. I don't know him, but it seems to me that he thinks the way you do. And I love the way that you guys think, because that's what I want to. I want, Fight scenes need to tell stories. Action needs to tell a yes. story. We talked about this the yes. last time, you know, and and that's the kind of stuff that that I think makes a movie stand apart. Um, yeah, no, there there are many guys out there, um, but you know, he he's from the '87 brand. Um, he's been under Chad for years. He's coming to his own, uh, and Chad has a certain way of doing things. He has a certain expectation. Um, a certain way of storytelling, uh, something you may think is cool, he thinks is shitty, you know, and 10 people may think it's cool, it's still shitty. 1,000 people may think it's cool, it's still shitty, but guess what? He'll tell you why it's shitty. He may even show you why it's shitty, and then when you understand it and see it, you go, oh yeah, it was shitty, and then now you're challenged to go back and find something unique that you know you weren't expressing before i mean when he gave me my very first project after <laughs> my warm welcome to a7 which was hey welcome aboard don't fuck up <laughs> basically, <laughs> basically it, I, I am not exaggerating uh, i got thrown a short about this character with no arms it was a comic book character named romp um very uh, independent, very low key or whatever. And I thought I was doing something really cool. I remember he looked at it and was like, eh. I'm like, eh? <laughs> Wait a second, what do you mean, eh? You know, but he showed me an example. He's like, no, no, push him up against this, do this, do this. Now, remember, the character had no arms. He showed me an example of, hey, he can bite him by the collar and twist and do this. And he was showing me judo with teeth in the mouth. And I was like, huh. So once again, what I thought was very cool, he's like, eh. But I'm like, what do you mean, eh? So when I look at stuff like that, I always think back to saying, truly challenge yourself and make sure if you were on the outside looking in, are you still impressed? Will you be impressed with this months from now, years from now? Or are you going with a current trend or style? And if you're going with a current trend or style, styles go away. Trends become old. But the truth in a fight scene and proper storytelling, those last. You know, you, you can't get away from those. Those are the ones you rewind over and over. You know, your, your police stories, you know, you're into the dragons. Um, those are the things you rewind over and over. And yes, I'm going way back because I don't want to put nobody on the spot now concerning who has set the trend now. Who no, but fights now watch over and over i think your point stands though i mean there's a reason we still watch and i j- literally just this weekend bought the 4k 
uh, remaster of Enter the Dragon. Like, there's a reason oh, we still watch we that go. movie, you know? Like, yes. And yes. it's, and look, Bruce is amazing, but certainly from a, a filmmaking standpoint, that's a pretty dated movie. But what matters mm-hmm. is Bruce's yes. charisma and the yes. truth yes. of those fights, the truth of, mm-hmm. I believe I'm watching Bruce Lee lay waste to a bunch of people. And that that never rings false to me. You know, I, I, I yes. Yes. I'll go back to that forever and ever. Yes, yes. And we, we we look at the end of the day, look, as action designers, we're all passionate. We all want that. We're all just looking for the proper channel or vehicle to tell that story, to say, look, we may we'll never find another Bruce. Um, but we got to appreciate our Scott Atkins. We have to appreciate our Jason Statham's. We've got to appreciate our Joel Kinnaman's guys who step up and are doing their best <clears throat> to step into this very judged world, you know, and do the best they can. Uh, we still want to see a Michael Jai in a big budget film. We want to see him take on, <clears throat> you know, The Rock or a fight with Jason Momoa or something like that. We want to see him get a scrap on, you know, hell, you know, we want to see Showdown in Little China or Showdown in Tokyo, the remake with, you know, who, who's your present day two people you pair up? Who, who's, who's those two guys now? You know, if, we, if we're all talking about IPs and remakes, hell, you know, um, hell, I want to see The Last Dragon done in, in a Cobra Kai format, you know? Hell yes. Hell yes. yes. I want to see that so badly. Oh, well, I got something I can show you. look like i said i'm up to a lot of stuff i'm up to a lot of stuff but yeah i I would love to do something like that you know uh i would love to see you know bruce leroy's son i would love to see the next generation i would love to see show enough three sons i would love to see you know keisha knight pullman's her daughter uh who will be played by uh my girl the samurai who with the big afro you know uh who's a doing great things yeah so i got a lot of ideas a lot of different things but it's just a matter of what's going to stick what's going to pop first uh what's the best vehicle you know hell my first thing might be a drama i might surprise you (laughs) i might have you crying you know know, a little indie punch (laughs) a little indie sundance movie directed by you know there's the sundance to blockbuster pipeline maybe you're gonna go the other way maybe you're gonna go like blockbuster action to sundance indie movie like indie (sighs) Indie two people in a in a coffee shop talking directed by Larnell Stovall. Who knows? <laughs> you never know, man. You never know. Either way, I'm enjoying the journey. I'm watching this next generation. I'm still growing. I kind of feel like I have one foot out the door to the other side of this thing. But that foot that's still in, it feels great when you see, you know, your John Wick fours, when you see what Gareth is doing with Havoc, which I can't wait for, you know, that to be shown to the world the craziness that's that's being exposed or you know what dave leach is doing with fall guy you know different things what jj perry is doing right now um there's so many uh, friends and mentors out there that are still taking action to the next level and uh, i think the audience are in for some treats next year with some things you know so um yeah let's keep the momentum going and let's hopefully uh see what this next generation has that's coming up with all these cool things, man. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see who, who's going to be the next, you know, Brad Allen, you know, that's going to 
just step in and just take the world by storm and you know they're just looking for that right vehicle yep. but they're in the in the park right now. they're editing their youtube video together right now and you know it's going to get a hundred thousand views or more you know so I, I still look forward to seeing those 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 people I agree. And I, I actually think that's a perfect place for us to wrap up. Larnell, uh, this was, again, absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for taking your time. Um, where can people find you if they want to follow you online? Uh, I am at Stovall Action Design on IG. Uh, I believe I'm L Stovall one two three at Twitter. I'm not on Twitter much, but I'm trying to get back on Twitter. You are um, at L, L Stovall one two three on Twitter. I can confirm that. That is your Twitter handle. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And I might, I might change Stovall Action Design to my name, so don't be alarmed if I just go Lauren L Stovall because you know Stovall Action Design was something I put together years ago, trying to say, hey, this is my brand. This is who I am as a storyteller. But that storyteller is about to shift to a different form of storytelling. So, right. Um, yeah. So it may change a lot. I'll still up, but for right now, I'll still about action design. Buddy, you you have an absolute standing invitation to come back on this show as much and as often as you want. Like you could literally show up every week if you wanted to. Like this has been such a oh, no. such a joy to talk to you. Such a such a blast and and. And and I know, I know based on our the reception to our first episode was just through the roof. I mean, people just absolutely loved it. And I know they're gonna love this episode as much as as well because you're just you're just so damn fun to talk to, man. I can't I can't like describe it any other way. You're so damn fun to talk to. So hey man, look, thank you, thank you. Look, I, I love these podcasts, I love these avenues, man. But like I said, at the end of the day, I'm a geek, so I'm I'm still the guy who's gonna play video games, watch anime and manga, read the comics, the graphic novels, go down to Reddit tubes, go down to 4chans or whatever the case may be, because I feel like we are the sauce and the culture of what's creative and what's next. Our brains go to so many different universes and we take in all this information and I'm grateful that I could take that stuff in and maybe put an ounce of it on your TV screens or your feature films. And you 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 know where that came from, or you you spot the anime influence, or if Invincible takes four years to do a live action version, I'm gonna sneak away to get some of those fight scenes and beatdowns <laughs> in yep. on something else superhero related sooner. Yep. So you know, I I, I want to be the voice for us in that area because i feel like that voice stands strong and uh i appreciate it so thank you again vice and advice did if he was going to be here if he didn't have something come up he was going to ask you about blue-eyed samurai on netflix because i don't know if you've seen that yet but he flipped shit for it in terms of animation and animation choreography so I, I just started it. Uh, I will be, I'd love to talk about that at a later point in time, but yes, I just started getting into it. So it, it is pretty cool, man. Yeah. It let's get, let's really get cool. you back on and talk about it then when, whenever you're free, we'll get you back on and talk. <laughs> yeah. About maybe it. next time we won't talk so many movies. We'll, we'll talk just geek stuff. Yeah. Man. Let's just, just let's just geek, different stuff. geek the fuck out. I think that would be great. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. You can Thanks follow us. Me 
at Linktree slash A4E podcast. You can find Vice Victus uh, on Letterboxd looking smart, on Instagram looking hot, and on Twitter as always until it ends or he does talking shit at Vice Victus. <laughs> Liam Odin is, or Liam O'Donnell is at Liam Odin on Twitter and Instagram. Join the A4E Discord. Hit us up for an invite. Uh, we got all sorts of fun people hanging out there talking. Um, and uh, and yeah, Larnell, thank you again so much, buddy. We will definitely do this again. Thank you, my friend. All right. Take care.